Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive life. I'm your host, Ryan Stacy, and today we are talking about the 12th movie in the Halloween series, 2021's Halloween Kills. Evil dies tonight! And I'm joined again by our Halloween correspondent. He's back. He's returned. Derek Kubitschek. Derek, how are you doing? You know, you thought you locked me in the basement and set the house ablaze, Ryan. <laughs> but you, in fact, did not. Yep. And so I return. So he's back. We just watched Halloween Kills. You know, this movie is very entertaining. But it's not very good. It's not very good. <laughs> you and I were talking off uh, off air, and I think we came to the conclusion. Prior to this episode, I think the least competent cast overall, the entire cast of characters, was all the way back in I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Episode 20-something? Oh, I think it was in the teens it somewhere. might have been. One of my favorite podcasts to this day is the I Still Know What You Did Last Summer podcast. If you haven't listened to that one, check it out. Least competent cast ever. We have a new winner. And I honestly don't think it's close. No. This cast is so bad. <laughs> it is unbelievable how stupid these people are. The entire town of Haddonfield deserves to get wiped off the map because the collective <laughs> IQ is far below average. This is pathetic. And, you know, maybe their IQs are fine, but their crisis management... Given the town's history, is trash levels embarrassing? <laughs> it, it is. It is in Blackreach. There, I, I've gotten that that reference out of the way, nice and early. But it, it is lower than that. They yeah. they hit rock bottom and they somehow kept digging. Yeah, this movie is very entertaining and it bring it does bring something new to the series. It it, it we go in a new direction we haven't really done before because the whole movie kind of focuses kind of on like a mob. The whole it, this movie is about the town of Haddonfield versus Michael Myers, and it's a lot of people forming a mob, banding together and forming a lynch mob, basically. And we got a smidge of that in Halloween Four with uh, like four characters in Halloween Four, and that was really fun. Yeah, with their frontier justice yep. driving around, I think they ended up killing an innocent person. Yep. Uh, very, I mean, very reminiscent. We're gonna get that again. Spoiler alert. And that's this whole movie. They took that concept and dialed it up to eleven. It's very entertaining. There's, like, no logic involved here. I almost wish they would have done more with it because it felt like the mob was very bottlenecked. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, it was in one spot, whereas in Halloween 4, it was, we are driving around, we are mobile, and we are shooting everything in a Michael Myers mask. I, I kind of like the way they did it better, but this movie, I guess it's shot better. It's more professionally done, it feels like. so. Halloween 4 is the better film, though. Oh, Halloween 4 is way better. <laughs> but in entertainment value alone, I mean, just watching it through the lens of this podcast, I, I, I might be more entertained by this movie. <laughs> yeah, watching this movie trying to logic your way through the character's choices is virtually impossible. I, I think I had one finger on each temple. We're coming into like a, the, the the home stretch, you yep. know? Uh, I, but I felt like the horse that won this year's Kentucky Derby, and I was just like trying to reach the finish line. Who's going to win Pleb? Who's going to get Randy Meeks? How are any people doing anything in this movie at all? It's it's an it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. <laughs> we on the podcast do not stand the character decisions no. in this movie. If you want a great example of what not to do, 
this is the movie to watch. This is all what not to do. This is the antithesis of this podcast is Halloween Kills. The, the last thing I'll say, and this is on personal development. This is personal development. This was the first Halloween movie I ever saw in theaters. Yes. So this is actually the second time that I've seen this movie, and this is the time I watched it through the, the lens of the podcast. The first time, I just went for shits and giggles and had a great time in the theater. Oh, boy, did I miss some things. This is a great beer movie. Yes, yes, great party beer movie. Yep. Like wa- watch this on Halloween. Cheer when people get killed off. It's it'll be a blast. Yes. But for the purposes of this podcast, it is a mess. Yes. Um, but the point of this podcast is we are trying to create a master list of rules to survive any and all horror movies, even even this, even Halloween Kills, even twelfth sequels. Yeah, even twelfth <laughs> in the series. So we're going to be going through the plot of this movie beat by beat, decision by decision, to see if we need to add any new rules to our current list of fifty nine rules, which you can check out on our Twitter account at how to horror that's how the number two horror spoiler alert for halloween kills go watch this one have a grand old time have a beer have a have multiple beers laugh your ass off and then get ready for this this podcast this wild ride that this is going to be yeah we both recommend that you go watch the movie before you listen to this podcast because like you know i i don't dislike the movie it's just stupid (laughs) you know this is a guilty pleasure for sure because Boy, oh boy, it is badly written, and the character logic is just <laughs> garbage. But it looks great. The kills are awesome. There's a lot of fun moments. There's some excellent characters. Um, there's a, a great... The cast of, like, characters is awesome. They're just all stupid. Probably the most epic confrontation yes. in, in the franchise as well. Yep. There's a couple of really awesome scenes that, like, start off, like... Fuck yeah. And then when you start thinking about it, you're like, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. We'll get into all of that here. Coming and up. more. Can't wait. All right. You ready to do this? Let's jump in. Let's get into the plot of Halloween Kills. So the movie starts off with Cameron, the shitty boyfriend character from the previous movie, who were all like mad that he didn't die in the last movie. Yeah, this is the guy who dropped uh, Allison's phone in the punch yep. or in the jello or something like that. Yeah, he's a big dick. He's walking home from the Halloween party. I'm trying to call his buddy who's already been killed by Michael Myers. Yes, and this is his buddy Oscar who got hung up on the fence posts. Yep. And one of the best kills of the previous movie. Yes. But can't get a hold of Oscar. He finds Deputy Hawkins lying on the side of the road, been stabbed in the last movie. We all assumed Hawkins was dead last time. Turns out Hawkins is still alive, so Cameron like starts holding pressure to his wounds. Rule number one, if you find a stabbed person, especially a police officer on the side of the road, you might be in a horror movie. The yeah. guy who stabbed him could still be around. Yeah, I, I do want to give props. Like, you know, don't be a good Samaritan if you want to survive. But it is a police officer, and you don't know any better, and you weren't alive for Michael Myers or yep. anything like that. So I also want to give Cameron uh, props for proper wound management. Yes. Uh, because he applies pressure to the wound, the neck wound. Yes, he does apply proper uh, wound management, which is rule number 46. Look, you stupid bastard. You've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look. Just a flesh wound. So we have a flashback to 1978, where Detective Hawkins was a really young police officer at the time, the night of the first uh, Michael Myers incident. I guess it would be the second, because the first one he stabbed his sister death. But uh, young Hawkins is actually played by uh, Thomas Mann, I believe, is the actor, who is in Kong Skull Island. All right. And so he is chasing Michael Myers down the street. He's already in a horror movie. Yep. Michael vanishes, meets up with some other cops, including Officer McCabe, and they split up, and they're going to go look for Michael. You know, they, they split up into pairs. And, y- y- and plus, they're police, and they don't really know what they're dealing with yep. right now. They don't know how serious this is. Uh, we should address this now. For a reminder to the audience, this is a new, I guess, continuation yep. in the canon, so no one knows about any supernatural anything related yep. to Michael. 
we're still on Halloween 1, first night, and we don't know what we're dealing with yet. Yes. But basically, Officer McCabe, it turns out, knew Michael when they were both kids and went over to Michael's house for, like, a play date once. And Michael was super weird and just liked to stare out his window. And the whole, like, premise of this movie is Michael's just trying to go home and stare out the window of his house, which doesn't jive at all with the first movie. That makes no goddamn sense. Because Michael never did that in the first movie. Right. It's sort of something that they introduced, I guess, in Halloween 2018, if you want to call it that. Like, it's all about Michael trying to get home. Yep. But the evil doctor, the deranged doctor, was the one who manufactured the big confrontation between Laurie Strode yep. and Michael Myers. So maybe within this continuation of the trilogy, it's fine, but it's 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 weird. Because it, you're right, it has nothing to do with the, o, the OG Halloween film. Because in the first one, Michael gets home and then goes out and kills people. Right. So this doesn't make sense, whatever. We got to go with it because this movie, that is what Michael is trying to do. Yes. Multiverse, I guess. <laughs> well, we do have a multiverse going on yeah, with this the, franchise. The, yes, we do. We very much do. So then we are uh, reintroduced to Lonnie. Lonnie was the bully in the first Halloween who is bullying Tommy Doyle. And it turns out he's being bullied as well. So a trickle-down bullynomics, it seems to yes. be. Yes. <laughs> trickle-down bullynomics doesn't work for anybody. Yes. Let's stop pretending that it does. <laughs> so he's getting bullied, but a, a cop arrives and is like, hey, you guys need to get home. And the bullies are being little shits like, oh, I mean, you get home. That's what all kids sound like. Yeah, yeah, right. I can confirm. And he's like, oh, because three teenagers just got murdered down the street, you stupid little shits. Oh. <laughs> Rule one, you're in a horror movie. So they throw a little more shade and then, you know. They all head home. Yep. Lonnie's on his way home. He trips and falls because kids can't walk. Michael appears, and Lonnie is dead meat. You know, he's a kid, but there still is, like, rule 10, don't panic. Don't you should panic. probably get up and run. Yeah, this would be a, a moment where you uh, follow rule 28. Run, bitch! Run! Run, bitch, run! Ab absolutely. But, you know, he's a kid, so it's not huge. Not a huge break here. Lonnie gets lucky because they are right across the street from Michael's house. Michael is headed home. He's, he's just, just going home. He's always heading home. He's tired. So Michael goes inside his house, and Lonnie lives. And gets to run away and come back in 40 years. Officers uh, McCabe and Hawkins, they, they saw Lonnie and Lonnie told them what was going on. So they go into the Myers house and they're, they're locked and loaded. They got their guns out. They're, they're looking around. I do want to point out if they knew that Michael was in there, they should have called for additional yep. backup. I think they do. I, th I think they did actually because they will show up outside this house yep. in en masse. So um, never mind. Uh, they should have maybe waited for backup. Rule 12 is wait for backup. But at least they called for backup. So it's not horrid right they end up going upstairs and going into different rooms so they do split up gang rule 19 don't split up gang which is going to be the big 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 rule violation of this movie it seems so let's split up and look for clues mystery inc is not a role model folks do not <laughs> split up especially if you were just in a, a duo do not split up so mccabe he goes into the room where judith myers was stabbed to death and he just starts staring out the window you haven't finished clearing the house yet, McCabe. Yeah, check your corners, buddy. Rule two, constant vigilance. He's just staring out the window, and then Michael attacks him. You stupid fuck. Yeah. So Michael starts strangling him to death. Deputy Hawkins comes in, and he's got to take the shot. Rule 22 is take the shot. He's got to fire because McCabe will die, get strangled to death, if Hawkins does nothing. So he shoots and kills McCabe. He hits his buddy in the neck. Got to take the shot. Yeah, I mean, you know, don't panic, and you should probably have made some sort of advance because, I mean, Michael is a little tied up, so you can close the distance to get a better distance. shot. But all in all, this is, you know, more pro take the shot than it is like, eh, do better. 
you know, if you shoot the hostage, well, this hostage was going to die anyway. Right. So, Derek, if you and I are ever in the situation, I hope we wouldn't end up here because we're smarter than this. Well, correct. Let's say we did. You have my full permission to take the shot. Yeah, fair enough. Because I'm either going to get strangled to death, which sucks, or I'm going to get shot to death by accident. Oh, wow, I died. I'll just do the yippee ki I'll go through you. And, you know, sure. hit, hit them too. I'll just have a big enough gun to get the job done for both of you. Sure, sure. <laughs> like, I won't try to do it, but if it happens, it happens, buddy. You know, th- that'd be preferable because at least you survived. At least you took down the killer. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> One out of three ain't bad. <laughs> R.I.P. Meatloaf. So Michael gets outside, whole army of cops, and Dr. Loomis show up. Hawkins does try to do some proper wound management himself, but it, it, it doesn't work. McCabe dies. So for McCabe... Constant vigilance, man, and don't split up. Come on. Yeah. And and waiting for backup, and they didn't do yep. that either. So there, there's a lot of little things. A lot of little things here. They go outside, and this part's not going to get revealed till later, but we'll just talk about it now. Yep, yep. The cops beat up Michael a little bit. Hmm. No. Well, yep. That sounds like a very cop thing to do. I, you know what, though? Like It's Michael Myers. I The, the dude deserves it. He 100% deserves it. Dr. Loomis is going to shoot and kill Michael, or try to. Execute point blank, and Hawkins stops him from doing it. Okay, he's doing his job. And this is They acknowledge this later in the movie, because Hawkins is telling the story to Lori later on. And she's like, you were doing your job, not your fault. Rule number three, do your damn job, but don't die in the process. But now you know better. We can't do that again. We actually have to kill him this time. Yeah, and again, this is why I sort of, at the top of the podcast, reminded everyone, they don't really understand that Michael Myers is supernatural at this point. So Hawkins does believe that a bullet to the head would have killed Michael Myers. A reasonable suspicion for, you know, pretty much anyone in a normal, everyday mass homicide situation living in our world. But in this multiverse... This guy can't die, and we have to assume that we might be in one of these multiverses. If you run into a Michael Myers, we are stands for the decapitation, yes. because even if the headless body survives, just put it in a box, put the head somewhere else. It's someone else's problem, some other generation. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> but this would be a huge miscarriage of justice, technically. Now, granted, it's 1978. They 100% would have gotten away with it. Um, and there's no there's no uh, Alexas or Ring doorbells or anything like that. Yeah, they would have 100% gotten away with this. <laughs> who, who who killed this guy? Uh, I didn't see any. There's hundreds of you here. <laughs> there was this crazy thing off in the distance. Yeah, 100% could have gotten away with this, and a lot of people would have lived, on ironically. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, technically, this would be rule number six, double tap. They didn't do it. I don't fault Hawkins for not doing and it. And it is part of their job to do their damn job. So it yep. would have been almost a violation of Rule 3 or a quasi-violation of Rule 3 to yep. follow Rule 6. So this is how Michael was captured and then spent the next 40 years in the mental hospital. So we cut back to 2018, and we'll just spend the rest of the movie here. There's a couple more flashbacks later on, but we covered everything. Yep. So Mix Bar, we meet Vanessa and Marcus. They are a couple, and we briefly saw them in the previous movie. They lived on that street that Michael was walking down, just killing randos. Just the long montage where just, you know, lock your doors, people, if you remember. Yes. And we saw them briefly getting into the car and driving away. So they barely escaped Michael once already, and they have no idea. Seem like a nice couple. Next to them at another table is we have a, a, a party of survivors. We have Tommy Doyle returning from the original Halloween. The little kid Lori was babysitting. Came back in Halloween 6, played by Paul Rudd. And they were originally going to get Paul Rudd back for this, but he was busy doing Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I really wish he'd done this instead. Uh, I mean, Anthony Michael Hall is great. But I would have rather had Paul Rudd. That would have been fun. That would have been really... Uh, can you imagine Paul Rudd playing this character? It would have been really different for him. He could have gotten small, climbed right up Michael Myers' butthole. Well, yep. And mm. then gotten big. <laughs> End of Michael Myers. Ant-Man versus Michael Myers. <laughs> There's a movie I want to see. 
We have Lonnie, the bully from the, the original movie, who, you know, we saw his encounter with Michael already um, in this movie, and they are friends now. We have Lindsay Wallace, who is ba being babysat by Annie Brackett, our original Night of the Living Pleb in the first Halloween. And she's actually played by the same actress. Kyle Richards, I believe, is her name. She played Lindsay in the original movie. She's back. I think she's one of the the um, the real housewives of Beverly Hills. Yeah, she's one of the real housewives of Beverly Hills. So she came back and did this movie, which is pretty cool. And then finally, we have Nurse Marion, who was Dr. Loomis's assistant in the original movie, and she's been in a bunch of the sequels. And she's back played by the original actress, Nancy Stevens. We have these four back, and they get together every Halloween to celebrate and remember like the survivors and the victims and to thank Laurie Strode. Honestly, it sounds like something that we would do. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Like we survived this really awful thing. Let's just, you know, raise a glass and whatever. Yeah. To absent friends. Yes. So they're all here hanging out at the bar. Laurie, her daughter, Karen, who's played by Judy Greer and uh, Karen's daughter, Alice, and they're in the back of the truck. We last saw them in and they see a bunch of fire trucks on their way to Laurie's house. And this is the, this is, this is from the teaser trailer. This got me so hyped for this movie. They see the fire trucks going by, and Lori's just shouting, let it burn. Oh, it got me hyped. This, yeah. this is just the teaser trailer. Yep, and there's nothing that they can do about Not it. Not a goddamn thing, because Lori's seriously injured. Yeah, she, she took a knife to the gut. Yep. The firefighters all arrive at Lori's house, and they're just doing their job. Rule number three, do your damn job. Don't die in the process. If there is a firefighter listener out there, please let us know how, like, against protocol it is to go into an unsound structure and start putting the yep. fire out from the inside because i'm i'm not a firefighter i'm not no a first idea. responder i have no clue but it really seemed weird to me that they went in the house and then one of them falls through the floor into the yep. cellar and you know we're gonna we're gonna continue from there but i want to know you know is, yep. is that bad so like in my mind this is a mistake uh you know do your damn job so like I'm, I'm gonna just preliminarily call it but a big asterisk that i'm not a first yep. responder they should not be going in the house unless they know somebody's in there yeah it feels weird that they're in the house they're going in the house but we don't know for sure any firefighters out there please let us know watch this scene and give us your feedback on what you think of the protocols they follow yeah, this scene what, what would you have done yeah We'd love to know. So two firefighters go in. One falls through a hole in the floor into the basement. Michael's down there. Rule number one, Michael kills the guy. Yeah, and it, it was also established that Michael was hiding behind the blast door where uh, Lori Strode kept her weapons. Yep. So that's how he has survived the heat is he was in the armory. Or at least that's what the movies made us believe. Yes. The second firefighter tries to, like, stick his hand down to get the first one, and Michael grabs him, pulls him in, kills yep. him. Then we get... One of my favorite scenes in the movie, Michael exits the house, this flaming nightmare of a house, and all the firefighters look up. It's just this dude in a mask with some sort of spear in his hand, and all the firefighters are like, what the fuck? And they all lock and load axes and fucking saws. Yeah, like these this giant portable buzz saw. Uh, it was very Daenerys Targaryen from uh, the end of season five of Game of Thrones. I think maybe the end of six. I don't remember, but just like exits this giant burning building. And instead of everyone bowing down to Michael Myers, which I don't know, maybe it would have done better for him. Doubt uh, it. But like this was such an epic face off, just perfect confrontation setup. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. So you just have this like like a dozen firefighters standing up ready to take on Michael. And, you know, people have issues with police officers, right? Nobody has issues with firefighters. So a group of fucking heroes that people love all standing up to fight Michael. You're just like, fuck yeah. And there's a fire burning in the background. It's so cool. 
God, yeah, this, this scene gets me hyped every time. So, unfortunately, this goes very poorly for all the firefighters. And you have to wonder, like, after the first, you know, four die, should the rest just, like, probably, like, scatter? <laughs> I probably would. <laughs> Here's what I think about this. Because all of these firefighters attack Michael one-on-one. One-on-one, yep. Rule 20 is fight dirty. Fight dirty. And we're going to get that at the end of the movie. Yes. All of you should be going in together and beating the shit out of Michael. Yep. Together. You do it as a team. Not these one-on-one bullshit fights. There's no honor here. So Michael kills all of these firefighters horribly. (laughs) One-on-one, absolutely no chance, mangles the bodies. Just an embarrassing scene all around, although just epic confrontation. Epic. Uh, Probably my favorite scene maybe in the franchise. It's up Uh, Just because it's just so ridiculously epic. I think my number one still goes to the decapitation of Michael at the end you know of Halloween what? Seven. That you know what that might still win. That I, I'll, I'll give that, but this but is a second. This is up there. This yeah. is in the top tier of scenes in the Halloween series. So for all the firefighters, rule fight. three: do your damn job, but don't die in the process. Yep. Twenty fight dirty. Twenty fight dirty. Yep. I think that's it. Yep. Um, absolute massacre. Lori is brought to the hospital. Um, we're reintroduced to um, the sheriff from the original movie, uh, Brackett, Lee Brackett. He's played by Charles Cipher. I don't know how old this guy is, but uh, damn, he's still alive. Because he was a like, middle-aged guy in the first movie. I'm looking up his age right now. 82. But he reprises the role here, and he, I think he's a security guard at the hospital. Yep. You know, he, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would want to retire. Yeah, no. So he's back, which is really cool. And for those of you who don't remember, he was the sheriff in yep. the original Halloween, and Annie was his daughter. Yep. The original pleb. Yep, the original pleb. Um, we'll see. Hopefully he doesn't get the pleb this time around. Right. Heck uh, of a legacy for his family. Uh, even though the remake version of him, played by Brad Dorif, won Randy Meeks Merit Badge. Yes. So in another multiverse. So Lori's brought into surgery. Karen and Allison, you know, they're really sad because Karen's husband, Allison's father, was killed in the last movie. We cut to Phil and Sandra, who are Lori Strode's neighbors. And they're this older couple. They're kind of funny. They're just chilling at home playing with a drone. Yeah, like, you know, like old people do. (laughs) (laughs) Playing with drones. The drone flies into the other room and gets just yeeted back out by someone. And they're like, uh, what was that? (laughs) It was very E.T. Like, they toss the tennis ball into the backyard, and then the tennis ball comes rolling back toward them. Rule one, you guys might be in a horror movie. Someone's in your house. Yeah. There's something out there. You know, Worst, it's, you know, Michael Myers. At best, it's like some kind of semi-domesticated wild animal. <laughs> so Phil takes a peek. He sees Michael. And then he starts locking the doors to lock Michael out. So rule eight, you know, lock yeah, your doors. Yeah, we love to see it. Love to lock the and, doors. And, you know, and they and they were awake. So I'm not mad that they... Because they live out in the sticks, right? Yep. So, like, you know, you're going to have your back door unlocked. You might want to go breathe in some fresh air before you go to bed. So, like, I don't want to give them a ton of, like, flack for not having their doors locked initially. But they did acknowledge that uh, Laurie Strode's place was on fire. Yeah. I think they should have already been a little bit more on high alert. Maybe you get in your car, you go see what's going on, or you just go into town and wait for this whole thing to blow over. Sure. Uh, but these are all, you know, Nitpicks. little things. Nitpicks. Michael grabs Phil through a window. A window that they have in their house. Yeah. Like they're, to, kind of a weirdly to, designed house. To their three-season porch or something. Sure. I don't know. And so Phil gets grabbed and fatally injured at this point. So. Yeah. So for Phil, you know, he was very close to the window, so I guess it would have been a little bit of Rule 40, keep your distance. You know, you got to stay away from those windows. But he was trying to get back toward his wife, yep. who was in a very odd, you know, they're just in an oddly designed house. You know, you could say he didn't lock his doors, but then he did lock his doors, so that's kind of a wash. His biggest crime was being in Michael's way. You know, 
People can come through the windows. Rule 33, never assume you're safe. Yep. So, Sandra, she goes and grabs a knife, lock and load, and then completely freezes out. Rule, Rule 10, don't panic. Rule 10, don't panic. And I... She wouldn't have been able to put up a fight anyway, so I love that she locked and loaded. I wish she would have taken a swipe, but, you know, what are you going to do? So Michael takes a fluorescent light bulb and just shoves it through her throat in an excellent kill. Yeah. Kind of like a lightsaber. Yeah. And then finishes off Phil at this point. With yeah. Just, just stabs him with every knife they have until he finds one he likes and takes that one with him. Right. Just very, you know... he. He finds this uh, exercise very aesthetically pleasing, sure. maybe you know, even therapeutic. <laughs> and then he finds his, you know, butcher block knife of choice. So back at the bar, Lonnie gets a call from his son Cameron about Deputy Hawk uh, Hawkins getting stabbed. The sheriff of the town, Sheriff Barker, arrives at Lori's house and sees the utter massacre. Rule one, Michael's on the loose, and he lets everyone know. Okay, so the news gets onto the bar. Um, so they, everyone at the bar learns everything that's going on. Tommy's like, Michael's back. He just knows. Yep. So good for them. You know, you know you're in a horror movie. They rule, all know. Rule number one. The news says there's two escaped inmates from the bus crash in the previous movie, still unaccounted for. We're going to introduce the second one in a second. One of them is obviously Michael Myers. And during the news report, it shows like some of the, the, the neighborhood that was attacked in the previous movie. And Marcus and Vanessa are like, oh shit, that's our neighbor's house. And they're going to go home and just like get back. Unfortunately, someone's in their car. Marcus runs back into the bar because he forgot his stethoscope because he's a nurse for Halloween. And he, Vanessa goes to get into the car, and someone's in the back seat. Yeah, so there's a little bit of constant vigilance yep. because the, the windows were fogged up, which yep. means that some, you know, there's something with body heat in there. Also, that car was not forcibly broken into. Okay, so lock your doors, rule 25. You know, if anything, this just prevents stuff from getting stolen out of your car that easily. And it prevents people from hiding in your back seat. Yes. Plenty of people have been killed in horror movies that way. Yes. And in real life. Yeah, that's why it's a rule in Zombieland. You know, check the back seat. It's easier to just lock your door. Yep. Do both. Lock your <laughs> door and check the back seat. <laughs> Por que no los dos? So she runs back to the bar. She's like, Marcus, go. There's Michael Myers is in the back seat of our car. You gotta go check it out. He's like, no, I'm not gonna go check it out. <laughs> Good. Nice. Keep your distance. She tells everyone in the bar, and they form the first stage of our angry mob. Sure, and I don't mind this no. at this point. Like, it, there is some safety in numbers, even against, you know, Michael Myers, uh, especially if you commit to fighting dirty. Yeah, so Tommy grabs at the bar's baseball bat, uh, Huckleberry. Old Huckleberry. Old Huckleberry. And so he leads everyone else out towards the parking lot, and he's going to start smashing up the windows. And the person in the car is actually the second escape prisoner, uh, Lance. And we don't know anything about Lance, but we got to remember this was an institution for the mentally insane, so Lance could be dangerous yes. too. We don't know that for sure, so we know nothing about Lance. Yes, except he doesn't look anything like Michael Myers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One thing we should remember is uh, what, what, what's her name? Whose car is it? Vanessa's. So, if he was dangerous, Vanessa probably would never have gotten out of the car. So the audience knows, but you know Tommy and company, you know they don't know, and Vanessa doesn't actually know anything nope. about Michael Myers other than what she's heard. So. I, it's it's reasonable for her to assume, you know, honestly, I would assume that everybody is Michael Myers if I'm in Haddonfield and yep. I know that he's around. Lance drives off. He doesn't know how to drive because he's not Michael Myers. And he yes. He crashes the car. Yeah, all these people should have watched the previous movies, <laughs> you know, the, the other multiverses of Halloween. They would have known that Michael Myers is actually like a grade A stealth, uh, you know, surreptitious great driver. Yep. He can tail you without you knowing it. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. This is a hint that this was not Michael. Yes. But Lance manages to get away. We meet up with uh, the people who currently live in the Myers house. Big John and Little John. Two guys there. They're a couple. They're both named John. So they call each other Big John, Little John. It's adorable. It's adorable. These guys are the best. 
They're not the brightest. Yes. But they're great characters. <laughs> they are the best. They are not the brightest. <laughs> um, Little John is actually played by Michael McDonald. Uh, he was a, uh, on Mad TV. He's one of the main guys on Mad TV. And he's also in Leprechaun 2. Also in Leprechaun 2. He was the barista in Leprechaun 2. He was the pleb, was he not? No, he did not end up winning pleb, but he was the honorable dishonorable mention. Yeah, because he was just being a dick he for was no reason. a massive asshole to Lep. For no reason. I got killed for it. But uh, that also had the uh, con artist uncle character in the yeah. movie. So he was the pleb. That's right. Yeah, he got greedy. But Big John and Little John, they're celebrating Halloween. There's a knock on the door. And some kids end up playing a prank on him. They think, oh, this, this kid ate a razor blade. Classic. These little kids are little shits. Yeah. We only ever learned one of their names. Uh, one of them is named Dennis. He's the one who gets killed later on. Sure. But Dennis and his friends, rule four, don't be a menace. Yeah, and we've talked about it on this podcast. I feel like we haven't had to mention this in a long time, but, like, pranks like this, just, like, don't do them. Because, like, at best, no one gets hurt, but there was a chance someone got hurt, and at worst, like, somebody gets killed. Yep. I, I don't think that ends up being the case this time around, no. but, like, just don't do it. Dennis uses the opportunity to steal all the remaining candy John and John have. And then John and John scare them away with a story about Michael Myers. Yeah. So they know they live in the Myers house. Yeah, I almost want to ding them a little bit for it. It has been 40 years, mm-hmm. and you know maybe they're not overly attached to the story, and they just understand the legacy of the house. You wouldn't catch me dead living in the house of a deranged serial killer. That's just not something I'm going to do. I'm not going to buy that land. I'm not going to do it. I'm sure they got it at a nice, juicy discount. I'm sure they did. Uh, so this would be a case of Rule 21 learned from past events, and so you have to know what happened to make a choice. I don't fault these guys at all because there has been one incident. There's the one when he was a kid and the one when he was a little bit older. Nothing happened at the Myers house in the original Halloween. He went home and then he left. In this timeline, a cop got killed there, and then before that, Judith Myers got killed there. So two people have been killed in this house over the course of history, right? It's not like there's been four sequels where Michael Myers continually goes back to the house. I will say in this in this continuity, Michael Myers is still alive. Yes. You know, and he's just locked up and he's been locked up for a long time. So I there's still a little something here, but there's you know, it, it's not egregious. No. If the deal is good, I'd probably move into this house, I'll be <laughs> honest. But you know, then there's like take the Amityville house. Uh, I, in real life, nothing has ever happened at the Amityville house. Like, well, whatever. There's no horror crap. There's no spooky crap. But in the Amityville movie series, lots of shit has happened there. Don't move into the Amityville house if there are multiple sequels about this event. Do not go live there. Learn from past events. So just at least know your history, and then you can make an informed decision. But Correct. I don't hold this against the Johns. Not, in here. not horribly yet. So Hawkins gets to the hospital, and this is when the police interview Allison and Karen and inform them Michael's still alive. The horror movie's not over. Rule number one, guys. You are still in a horror movie. Yep. Allison knows that Michael Myers has never actually been after Laurie Strode, so he's out there doing whatever he's doing. Karen still thinks that Michael's after Laurie Strode. And that's because she's been indoctrinated unintentionally by Laurie Strode for years saying Michael's going to come back and he's going to get me. So she wants to, like, fortify the hospital. Okay, with the information she has, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Cameron gets to the hospital and is like, hey, we're forming, like, hunting party. We're going to go hunt this guy down. And Allison wants to go with. And at first, Karen's like, no, you're not going with. But eventually, she's going to go with. Yeah. I I still think that I'm on Karen's team. When you're dealing with this, especially when you're surrounded by so many people and you don't know that Michael is supernatural, I like the idea of just, like, fortifying the hospital and being on guard. You know, there's enough people here 
this hospital is filled to the brim of people who have been hurt and killed by Michael Myers. So let's talk about lynch mobs and hunting parties. Because I think this is just like general theory we need to talk about here. Yeah. So on paper, this sounds like a great idea. We're going to get a whole bunch of people together and we're going to go out and we're going to hunt the killer down. What could possibly go wrong? Here we go. Okay, so I'm going to quote a little quote from the movie Men in Black. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character, Kay, says this. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals. So the point of that statement is a single person is smart. People in a group, as general, they are dumb and stupid and panicky. That is the issue you run into when you get a mob of people together. They are going to do something stupid and the wrong person is going to get killed. So if you don't really have a choice but to band together and join like a group of people, like if you're at like an isolated location, that's one thing. But this is a whole town of people coming together to hunt down someone on their own without any police involvement. The problem there is you get the dumbest person in that group and that you know you're only as strong as your weakest person. And so they are going to cause problems somehow, some way. They're going to shoot the wrong person. They're going to panic. You are more likely to get killed by this mob than you are to hunt down successfully the killer. So, well, in theory, this is a good idea. In execution, it is a bad idea. I, I'm going to go ahead and say do not join a lynch mob or a hunting party unless you have to. And nobody has to here. Everybody should be just, like, be on the defense this entire hunting party pretty much gets killed. Almost everyone who joins the hunting party is going to die. So you need to go on the defense and let other people take care of this. It is not smart to join this mob. What they need to do is send out some kind of, uh, you know, they, we you know we get amber alerts and silver alerts and blue alerts to our phones occasionally, right? You have to assume that 90% of these people have their smartphones. You need to be able to call in Michael's location wherever he is in town. And you can you can have, you know, people staring out their windows, Right. And then have an organized group, and it doesn't have to be the lynch mob, you know, it can be the cops. It could be the National Guard. It could be the National Guard. It, it could be a tactical nuclear warhead, for all I care. I, I don't know. But you can't just band together and then go storming the streets to try and find someone who most of you have never seen. Yeah. You don't know the behavior, you don't know the situation. It is better to be on the defensive for the time being. Be very alert. Yes. Constant vigilance. This should be rule two rule for two. literally everybody. Rule one for literally everybody. Yes. The entire town at this point, one and two. But then you also have to combine that rule with rule four. Don't be a menace. And that's kind of what being a part of a mob yes. is at times. I get the impulse. If you've seen nothing useful from the cops to take the law in your own hand, there may be a time and a place for such frontier justice. This is not it. Yeah, and we only saw a little bit of incompetence from the police force in the first movie, yeah, right? Yeah, barely any. Yeah, and it was it was from two cops. They're long dead. Long dead. The cops are irrelevant in this movie Yeah, for the most part. But everyone should be either, you know, you could get out of town. You could fall rule 11 and just get out. Get out! Yep. You know, maybe if you have a family, just pack the car and go. I, I think that's what I would do. Probably. Um, the, the trick is, if you're a character in the movie... That you're you're gonna get killed on the way out of town. Probably. So you gotta you gotta be real careful. Constant vigilance. Yes. It's a tricky situation, but we're gonna say in general, don't get involved with the mob. Yes. Um, that's just a good rule of thumb. But there are there will be instances where there is no choice. Yeah. It, it's safe to assume that everyone is trying to defeat the horror movie, not escape it. Yeah. Um, and like 
there's really no avoiding it right now because yeah. no one knows where he is. Everyone is aware of him. So it's it's hard to avoid. It's hard to be, you know, the neighbors. There are no, none of the neighbors closed their blinds. They all locked and loaded and got out on their porches. Everyone's been drawn into this. Yes. Um, mostly because of Tommy Doyle shoring up everything. Yes. And we'll get to that in a little bit later once we get to the hospital sequence. Allison does give Lori a knife to protect herself with before she gets out of there. But our, our, our initial lynch mob here, we have uh, Tommy and Lonnie. Lonnie's son, uh... Cameron. Cameron. Allison's going to join up. And then we have Marcus and Vanessa, Marion, and Lindsay. So our survivors plus our, our new folk. Yes. And they're all going to lock and load, and they're all going to go out searching. Tommy is going to go on the recruiting spree. He's going to go driving around places and get more and more people. And then we have Lonnie, Cameron, and uh, Allison in one car. And then we have Marcus, Vanessa, Lindsay, and Marion in another car. That second group, Marcus, Vanessa, Lindsay, and Marion, they spot a group of kids hanging out at the playground. So those little shits, Dennis and his friends from earlier. Dennis the Menace. Yeah. <laughs> And Lindsay is going to get out of the car by herself to go talk to the kids. Rule number 19, don't split up, gang. Don't split up, gang. And one of the kids is missing. And the other two kids are just being little shits like, it's Halloween, we can do what we want. And there's a man watching us and being trying to be all creepy, but we're not scared. And there's Michael Myers holding Dennis's head. <laughs> Oopsie. The kids run away. They're out of the movie. They get out. But then Michael Myers is going to attack the car. Yeah, a little note for Lindsay here. Make noise. This is Michael Myers. One, you need to be on your phone. Yep. Or, like, shouting at the vehicle. Call for backup. Yeah, Michael Myers is outside your car right now. And if I'm Miriam, I mean, didn't Michael Myers crawl on top of her vehicle? Mm -hmm. She needs to be, like, rule 21. Maybe they should have all gotten out of the vehicle together so that they're more mobile. Because if no one's in the driver's seat, there's no quick getaway for you. On the flip side of that, you got to be careful. Rule 8 is don't leave your shelter. It's, it's don't leave your shelter. I It's hard because you're balancing it with their motivations. They they are supposed to be organized chaos right now. They yep. are they are a lynch mob. They're not going to take any mercy on Michael. So if you're going to commit to the offensive, you have to commit to the offensive. You can't take these halfway steps. And this is what you'd expect from people who are kind of involved in something that they don't understand. Yep. Marion is going to fire through the, the roof of the car to try and get Michael. It's not going to work. Bad move. I oh. mean, like, you know, on paper, you can say, like, oh, you know, take the shot. He's up there, right? But, like... You have to take a good shot. <laughs> you can't just, you know, you have to be a little more stingy with your bullets. Yeah. Vanessa gets dragged out of the car and just, like, tossed to the side. Marion finally has a clean shot. Unfortunately, she's used all of her bullets up. Rule 54 is proper weapon management. I am not throwing away my shot. Gotta count your shots. So Michael is going to kill Marion, uh, stab her to death. And then Marcus is going to try and strangle Michael using his stethoscope. And Michael's going to be like, fuck off, and just stab him in the face. Yeah, yeah. And when this whole thing started, like, we can really drill down into into the details. So when Michael grabs uh, Miriam's hair out the window, right, that would have been a great opportunity for everyone else to get out of the vehicle. I can't, I can't remember what's his name. Marcus. You know, that would have been a great opportunity for Marcus to get out of the vehicle. You can stand back and kind of assess the situation a little better. You're not stuck in this enclosed space. You're not Lori in the closet anymore. Right. I'm going to go ahead and say this for everyone who goes into this, like these hunting parties is rule number 52, don't go in the water. Yeah. You know, you know there's a killer out there hiding in the dark. Don't go out there. Yeah. That's my big thing for Marcus, I would say. Yeah. And then this is the funniest death of the movie. Vanessa's going to try shooting Michael. Which, by the way, I, from a writing standpoint, where the hell did she go? I don't know. Like, she landed on the concrete, and then all of a sudden she was like 25 feet away. I'm assuming that her gun got flung away from the vehicle when Could she be. got dragged out. I don't know. But she's going to start firing at Michael and get a little too close. Rule 40, keep your distance. 
Michael's going to kick the door, which is going to slam into her hand holding the gun, which is going to swing around and accidentally shoot her in the head. What? So, uh, congratulations. You, you screwed yourself? Yeah. You, you played yourself. Keep your distance. Don't go in the water. Yeah. So all three of them are dead. Lindsay's going to try attacking. She had took one of the um, the pillowcases full of candy. From it, the kids that ran away from the playground when all of this started. Because they did end up running. Yes. And they survived the movie. Yes, they did. She's going to fill the pillowcase full of bricks. And then she is going to attack Michael. And he does not give a fuck. Nope. Melee weapons do not generally work. So she's going to get strangled to death almost until she messes up his mask. Just like Lori did in the first movie. And uh, rule number 20, fight dirty. Yep. 17, you never give up. Never give up. Next thing you try my work. She is going to run away, escape, and hide near like a stream, and Michael's going to abandon yeah, the chase. Yeah, it's real Fellowship of the Ring, just yep. for a moment. Yep, very bit Fellowship of the Ring vibe. So Lindsay is going to survive this movie. Yes. So Karen finds the note that Allison left, like saying she was going to go hunt Michael, and Hawkins is brought in to be Lori's roommate in the hospital, because there's a lot of injured people in the hospital tonight. <laughs> Cameron, Tommy, Allison, and Lonnie, they're all going to arrive at Lindsay's car. They're going to find all the bodies, but Lindsay's still alive. So, you know, we got that going for him, which is nice. So Tommy is going to bring Lindsay to the hospital. The cops lock down the hospital. And Tommy, at this point, this is where he riles everyone up. He gives a speech about evil dies tonight. And people are not going to stop saying that. And I'm going to actually say a rule break for uh, Sheriff right here because he's in the room. Yep. When Tommy steps down, he needs to step up and be like, absolutely the fuck not arrest tommy yeah on this podcast in the right moment i am a proponent of you know your good old vigilante frontier justice mm-hmm. there's a time and a place for it but you can't just create chaos and expect to advance whatever goals or objectives that you're trying to achieve and that's what tommy's doing rule four don't be a menace uh and like you know Tommy, like the the sheriff, if he doesn't arrest Tommy, he needs to pull him down and be like, Tommy, I love your passion. Let's go talk outside, but you can't be doing this to everybody because you don't know what you're going to stir up. So I'm very upset that the sheriff doesn't take this opportunity because he's like, this is my town. But he says it to him like later when everyone's yep. already pissed off. Yeah, and Tommy's like, we've only seen incompetence from you guys tonight. You didn't see shit. They haven't done anything. <laughs> yeah. We have two dead cops who didn't realize they were in a supernatural horror movie. And granted, yeah, they were fucking around a little bit. Yep. Uh, but, like, the rest of the police force hasn't had a chance to do anything. Yep. Hawkins ran over Michael with his car. And the only reason that didn't end up working in the end was because we had a, a saboteur with that evil doctor yeah, in the we, first we, movie. It was an inside job. It was an inside job. <laughs> the killer was inside the house. So, Sheriff Barger needs to say something. Rule three, do your damn job. Yep. But no, Tommy is going to instill panic and fear in everybody. Rule 10, don't panic. And it starts riling the town up, to, and they, they want blood now, which is going to end very poorly. Uh, and even, like, Brackett, the old sheriff, is, like, with Tommy. He's like, hey, that killed my daughter. Evil dies tonight. No, the old sheriff has joined the crazies. <laughs> and he adds, uh, what would that be, like, credence? You know, he adds a little bit of fuel to the fire. Yep. Like, I'm here, too. Yep. I'm still here. Oh, no. <laughs> and they're so, you know... I can't even blame people for joining Tommy and, and Brackett because they are so much more convincing than Sheriff Barker is. Who, again, who does absolutely nothing? nothing? Fucking A. Tommy tells Laurie and Hawkins that Michael is still alive. Rule one, you guys are in a horror movie. Yep. They're not going to really do anything in this movie, but they know now. So Little John and Big John, they hear a knock at their back door. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here it starts. Little John goes to check. There's nothing there. Their door's locked. Their door was locked. Good on them. Then he closes the door and does not relock it. And that kicks off everything. So rule, you know, 25. 25 you know, thank you for locking your doors. But then, you know, lock them again. Got to relock. There's a knock at the front door. Big John goes to check it this time. Nothing. Very scream. Big John's like, hey, little John, did you lock the back door? 
I'll go check. Door is wide open and there's a bloody handprint on the wall. And it's noted that the bloody handprint is too high for a kid to have left it. It's not the same kids who pranked them earlier. All right. Little John and Big John, they know they are in a horror movie. Get the fuck out that house it's now. It's believe. Big John takes off his, like, kimono. Kimono? Yeah, uh, yeah. K- kimono. And he drops his golf club. He takes all of his, like, jewelry in and rings off. And grabs a knife. And he has like a little charcuterie knife. Yeah, a little charcuterie knife. Come on. I mean, yes, you're lock and load, but honestly, get the golf club instead. Like, you, you, you take your big, like, mafia ring off, which is also a great weapon. Why'd yep. you take that off? You could break your fingers yeah. punching with that. Yeah, but, like, it hurts more. Yeah. And you pick up a charcuterie knife. Well, come on. He's trying to be all badass. It doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, it looks badass. I'm sure uh, Lil John was maybe turned on by this. Yep. But, like, no! Leave! Little John gets a big knife, at least. Yeah. It's time for you to go out the front door and leave. And it's important, and I, you might have already mentioned it, they hear walking around yep. upstairs. upstairs. There is somebody in your house. And by the way, uh, you're in the Myers house. You're in the Myers house. And you know that Myers is still alive. And you also made note to the children that he was just trying to get home. I'm not expecting you to understand those three things. Just assume this is a regular home invasion and get the fuck out. Nope. Big John's actually going to lock the front door. They're going to lock themselves in with Michael. Like, no! What are you doing? I think for Big John especially, this is a violation of Rule 31, put your ego aside. You got to put your ego aside. We're, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of little things here. Yeah. Um, are we going to go through this whole sequence now? Because we're going to cut away and come back. But... Yeah, we're going to cut away and come okay. back, I okay. think. But yeah, they locked themselves in with Michael. They locked themselves in with a home invader. Like, yeah. you know, they don't have to assume that it's Michael. They locked themselves in with an, a home invader who, by the way, had a bloody handprint on their back fucking door. That they, I need to know no more. Yeah, you're in a I'm, movie. I'm fucking gone. Get out, call the cops. Boom, done. So Lance, the other ski convict, he's going to enter the hospital at this point, asking for help because he got injured in the car crash. Someone in the mob says, it's that, is that Michael? And everyone assumes it's Michael. So that in, induces like a panic, and Tommy is going to lead the charge, and they're going to go hunting Lance. They're going to chase him to the hospital, and it's just utter chaos. Yep. Just completely insane. And the sheriff at this point is completely lost. I mean, he lost control when he didn't shut down Tommy initially. Like, that's the kind of, like, you you have to stop it before it gets galvanized. Congratulations, it's galvanized. You're kind of screwed. Back to the Johns. Uh, Big John and Little John, they split up. They have now split up, and Big John has gone upstairs. Yep, and and they're doing a thing where they're like, every couple of seconds they say, you know, they call up for each other. (laughs) Marco Marco Polo. Marco Polo kind of thing. Okay, great. You know where each other is. The killer knows where you guys are. Yeah, so are. don't give away your position. Rule That's an- 26, don't give away your position. They're going to look around. Uh, Big John is eventually going to get dropped on by Michael and get stabbed to death horribly and his eyes gouged out. Yeah, uh, Oberyn Martell. Yep. How many rule violations can we name for Big John? Oh, boy. Put your ego aside. Get uh, out. Get out. Run, bitch, run. Wait for backup. I mean, it, it, it's so hard. Don't split up. Don't split up, gang. Don't go upstairs. Uh, there, there's a lot, man. There's a lot. Little John hears this. He goes in. He finds Big John dead. And he just kind of stands there and talks to Michael. Michael's staring out the window. And then we cut away. We don't see what happens. But Little John gets killed here. Don't know how much of a fight he put up, if any. Yeah, it's more of like a manufactured epic confrontation, I guess. Or like yeah. a, a like manufactured addition to the mythology of Michael. It's almost like they've been expecting him yeah. for a moment. But like they never say this. You know, that's not established. Well, I say that Big John is still by far the worst performer. You could have the exact same logic for Little John that he should have, like, you know, Big John locks the door. Little John would be like, no, no, unlock the door, and you leave anyway. Like, Little John did fail to lock the door, and that's how Michael got in. That's true. So, 
These two, as much as I like them, they were terrible. Two of the worst performers I think I've ever seen on this podcast. Yep. You know, they're not they're not cure bad, but they are like of the people who are actively not trying to kill themselves, they are like bottoms of the barrel. Yep. The only thing to note is they didn't join the lynch mom. They were just at home and someone came in. They the horror movie came to them. They didn't mm. go looking for the horror movie. Grant, they had a chance they had an out, but they didn't take it. But uh, you know, the horror movie walked into their house. Yes. So that's something. Yeah, and I mean, you know, they did lock and load, if you want to call it that. But again, a charcuterie knife with an unknown home invader with blood on their hand. Like, again, we can do better. The the, the algebra does not work out. I can look around my apartment and find at least a dozen better items. (laughs) Uh, And a lot more big knives. Have more than one big knife. So, Karen and Lori, they try to stop the mob when they realize it's not Michael. No effect. And Lori just ends up getting her stitches ripped open again. Yep. And by the way, the mob sees this, and that makes him even more angry. Yep. So Karen tries to help Lance and locks him in, like, a room to keep him safe. But the mob is going to try and break down the door anyway. Yeah, I do say this is a small rule violation for Karen. I understand she's trying to help. She is a child psychologist. So, like, you know, it is her job to work with people who are mentally unstable or just, you know, need mental health treatment. But she shouldn't, you know, she shouldn't be a good Samaritan for the purposes of her survival. She should be trying to get away. Maybe just, you know, stay with her mom whose stitches recently ripped open. Rule 30, don't be a good Samaritan. Um, But she's she's trying to, uh, you know, quell the mob. Like, I I don't fault her for it. She's trying to help someone that she knows to be innocent. But again, she doesn't know if this other person who escaped is dangerous or not. And she should be more aware. So this is a small rule break, albeit uh, this is, you know, just an annal. This is just a footnote in the annals of this uh, complete horror show on multiple levels on multiple levels literally multiple levels so lance uh breaks the window because the mob is coming in for him yep and they're gonna kill him they will kill him yep. um so lance climbs out on the ledge okay fair and then he jumps to his death you could have just hung out on the ledge for a while until everyone calmed down but yep. he is a mental patient we don't know what's wrong with him we don't know anything about this he, guy. he has not seemed sound no, since no. like moment one so he feels like this is his only escape Rule 17, never go up the next thing you try my work. But this is a small rule break because, I mean, you know, you have to have willingness to follow the rules and capacity, and yeah. I don't think the capacity is there. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, we're not 100% sure on that one either way, but, you know, technically rule violation, but we don't know how much we can hold this against him. Yes. But Lance jumps to his death, and everyone feels real bad because they're like, oh, that wasn't Michael. <laughs> Whoopsies. M- maybe it's Michael. Yeah, well, you know, that's, that's, that's backwards logic there, Tommy, Lance buddy. Lance is like... Maybe five feet tall, and Michael Myers is almost seven. Yeah. yeah it, it, this is not Michael Myers. Five feet and seven feet all look the same to a young Tommy, Tommy sure, Doyle. Sure. <laughs> so Hawkins tells Karen and Lori, hey, Michael isn't after you guys. That The doctor from the last movie all initiated all that, so who knows what he's doing, but he's not after you guys, so do that information what you will. Meanwhile, Lonnie, he has figured out the pattern of Michael's attacks, that he's heading to his house. So Lonnie, Cameron, and Alice, and they all go to the house. And they're like, all right, let's go in and get them. And Lonnie's like, no, I'm going in alone. Big rule break for all three of these people. They should have been calling for backup. Yep. Like, like, I know we have wait for backup, and that's sort of tied into this. But, like, call for backup. We are going to Michael's house because there seems to be a rampage on the way there. And, by the way, we didn't say this, but Karen has also figured this out. Yeah. Because Tommy's like, you know, how can I atone for this? And uh, Karen's like do you have a car? And he's like, I have a car. Yeah. And so like, they are going, they're on their way to Michael's house due to no fault of Allison, Cameron or Lonnie. Nope. Who are all just utterly useless. They're going to tell no one where they're going. 
Um, Which is another rule violation. Yeah, that is another rule violation. Rule 51, tell people where you're going. And I'm going to go ahead and say another one, because Lonnie is just going to walk up into this house, right? They need to have a backup plan, and they don't have one. Yep, they have no plan. And, well, the, and the only reason that's a rule violation, this is not a spur-of-the-moment thing. Like, Michael does not get the drop on them. Nope. They are going to Michael, and they are pretty sure he's here. They don't know, but they are pretty sure he's here. Rule 53, have a backup plan. You, you, had, a, you had an opportunity. You could have done anything. You could have got... Everyone together, you could call the cops, you get anybody here besides three people. You could wait for backup, you could not split up, gang. Yep, but that's the big one. Lonnie wants to go into the house himself, he wants to protect his son, but also, like, he's got something to prove because he met Michael once 40 years ago. Yeah, and then there was, like, they they did some bullshit exposition earlier where they're like, where Lonnie never actually made it into the Myers house back, you know, like, oh, we're kids and we're getting into trouble. Put your ego aside, Yeah. Lonnie's gonna go in alone and like instantly die. And I, I put an asterisk next to Lonnie like going in alone because he's with two literal children, teenagers. Yeah, but, but I mean like they are children. They they're not little kids, but they are children. Yes. So like I understand him not wanting to bring them into the house, but the choice to go in alone is, is stupid. Worst. It's the worst move of the movie. This is number one. Ah, uh, it's not the worst move of the movie. I disagree. And I I and do you want to know why it's not the worst move of the why? movie? Because they did not know that Michael was in there. Yeah. Like, they, they, they suspected, but I'm not going to let the plot... Because we knew he was there, but they did not. Is, what is the worst move? Have, have we gotten to it yet? Yes, we have seen it already. What? It's little John locking the door and confronting the home invader big on John, his own. Big John. Uh, big, big John locking the door and confronting the home invader on his own. That is the worst move of the movie. Uh, I think Lonnie's is worst. I do <sighs> think Lonnie's is worst. He, he didn't know he was in there. That's my big at thing. at least Big John wasn't alone. He wasn't alone, but he split it up. He split up yes, anyway. But and they and they could have just walked out their front door. The horror movie came to them. Lonnie went in. But like they could have left. They could have left. They, they could have. Not left. defending Big John and Little John. I just think Lonnie's is worse. I think this is where you and I we we tend like because I agree that Lonnie's move is awful, right? Yeah. But I want to spend a little more time on this because like I'm I'm someone who likes to work with known capacities and taking action when you have known capacities to work with. It doesn't matter if it's Michael Myers or any other home invader in your house. If you have a chance to get away, mm-hmm. you get away. And that was a known capacity. They heard someone upstairs. They saw the blood on the door. They chose to stay in the house anyway. That is a known capacity. Mm-hmm. You leave. Lonnie, he's like, oh, he's on his way home, I think. But he only knows this from the lore of what happened 40 years well, prior. And the pattern on the map. And well, he, he's looking at the map and then is like, okay, I think he's going home. They don't know that he's there. Mm-hmm. They don't know that he's there yet. They don't even know that that's where he's going. They have a pretty good idea, but they don't know. Like, uh, the fourth dimension here is time, right? So he, Michael might not be home yet. So that's why, like, Lonnie's move is bad. It it is. I'm it's I'm not horrendous. It, it's horrendous, but it's not as bad. These, these are both bottom tier yeah, level yes, moves, they are. and so I'm just saying like this is a, this is a difference in um, opinion, maybe philosophy of sure. grading. Uh, so c- continue. I I agree that it's awful, but not the worst of the movie for me. Lonnie goes in and dies instantly. <laughs> he fires one shot off screen, and that is going to send uh, Cameron and Allison running inside. And now now Ryan. Cameron and Allison going into that house is a worse movie than Lonnie going into the house. I decided that because they heard the gunshot. Sure. Now but they, they are going together. They go in together, but I don't think that two people against a known serial killer who knows the house better than they do is better than one guy who goes into the house not knowing whether or not someone was there. It's a known capacity. Someone is in the house that made Lonnie shoot. So Cameron. Yes, but I, I see. I think Lonnie can just assume. Like I, I am of the philosophy. The horror movie might not be happening. Assume it is. 
the known capacity is almost not a factor. You just have to assume there's a known capacity until proven otherwise. They're just dis- so I think that's where the difference is. I'm always assuming there is a, a the horror movie is there. Remembering though that like this house, they're dead now, but it was owned by Big John Little yep. John, right? Lonnie is trespassing. Big John Little John would have had every ground to shoot him, Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> style, and just kill him for walking in with a gun. And like, so he he's trespassing right yes. now. Um, and and that's why I'm just like, okay, you know, let's say it's Big John and Little John, and they're just not two, you know, generally friendly high guys watching a movie on Halloween, and they just broke into uh, the Sawyer house, right? And they walk in, and now they're dead. So I, I think that Cameron and Allison's move is actually worse because they heard the gunshot. They went in anyway. No. Call for backup and yes, wait. Yes. Like, they, they should not be going in. So they're going to go in. They're going to start looking around. They find the Johns dead. And Allison's going to go in there and, like, just check on them and then take the knife out of Little John's body. And Michael was nice to them. You know, he laid Little John's head on Big John's lap. It was very sweet. It's not something that he would typically... <laughs> no, no. He laid Big John on Little John's yeah. lap. I was like... That was so nice. Usually Michael is like, you know, he's more into wall art, right? Wall art, yep. <laughs> Cameron's going to go wandering off on his own. Ah, don't split up, gang. Congratulations. Some blood drips on him from above the attic, and Lonnie's body's sticking out of the attic. Well. And then Michael attacks Cameron, and he's going to end up killing Cameron in yes. this fight. Cameron, don't split up. Don't go in the house. Don't go... You, it's everything that we already talked about. Yes, we, we we outlined all of this. It is a laundry list for every character in this house right now. I mean, their, their rap sheet is long enough to put them into a How to Survive a Horror Movie jail for life. Right. Allison's going to try fighting Michael and just get yeeted right down the stairs and break her leg. Yeah, she did try to take the shot with a shotgun, yes. but the, the hallway was too close. So, you know, props for taking the shot, but, like, you got to keep a little bit more distance, and she does not do that. She does get a couple of stabs at yep, Michael. Yep, she's the first one to make contact, like, meaningful contact yep. with Michael. Because, I mean, uh, he did get hit with the bricks earlier yep. uh, from uh, from L- Laura? Uh, Lindsay. Lindsay. Uh, he got hit by Lindsay, but, I mean, Allison is the first one to make contact with the knife. So, you know, good on her for that. But again, you know, generally speaking, melee Michael Myers, not good. So after killing Cameron, Michael's going to come down the stairs to get Allison. And Karen steps in and stabs Michael with a pitchfork. Yep. And they do the same thing they kind of did in Halloween 2018, where it's like, do it, do it. And they kind of bait Michael into it. You know, yep. they, they use his sense of, uh, I guess, his, his hubris. Because Michael, is he's a theatrical guy. Yep. Uh, he's like... I got you cornered now. And she uses that to, you know, her advantage. And then Karen comes in and, you know, pitchforks in the back and and then stomps on his head. Yep. But she takes Michael's mask off and lures him out of the street. And she's like, hey, come get me, fucker. Come get me. Bring it on. Uh, It's all a trap. It's actually this is probably the best movie in the movie. It is the best movie in the movie. She lures Michael like a block away, straight into a trap. He steps out into the street and all of a sudden all these headlights turn on and all these cars drive in position and Michael's completely surrounded by Tommy, Brackett, and then a bunch of no-name extras who are in the mob. We got Michael surrounded. This is pretty fucking badass. Yes. I love this. This is so cool. And it's just like like 15 people versus Michael. And I'm, I remember watching this first time. I'm like, how the fuck is Michael going to get out of this? How are we going to have a third movie? I don't know how we're doing this. This is part of a trilogy. How are we going to do this? They proceed to beat the shit out of Michael. They even shoot him a couple of times because one, one of the people has a gun. And they put Michael down. And, and this is, you know, I've already referenced it one. But at the top of the podcast, I said... None of these people know that it is a supernatural horror movie yet. Yep. They just think that Michael is a deranged serial killer who is a mortal man. That is that is all they know. Knowing what we know, you know, we've seen all, you know, 11 and a half movies or 11.75 movies at this point, right? I say 
hit Michael with a car. Sure. You know, uh, uh, you know, use your car as a weapon because we saw some more vehicles pull up. It doesn't need to be this dramatic showdown where you circle the guy. Hit him with your car. <laughs> but I understand, like, there are people on the other side. You know, your stopping might not be perfect. You don't want to hurt them. Right. But, like, ideally, you, you know, you, you park your car on top of Michael. You know, it's real Mjolnir on top of Loki and Thor. 39, use your car as a weapon. Yes. But they're just going to beat the shit out of Michael, and he's eventually going to collapse on the ground. And they all tell Karen, like, hey, you can go. Go take care of your yard. We got this. And before she goes, she stabs Michael once real good in the back. Yep. It would have gone, like, through a lung. Through yep. something. It would have fucked him up. Yep. And then she leaves. Yep. And then Michael takes the knife out of his back and proceeds to slaughter everyone. Starting with Brackett. Brackett's first. He's going to go in for the double tap. He's not quick enough. Slits Brackett's throat and kills him. Wipes out every other member of the mob and finally kills Tommy. Tommy Doyle gets gets taken down by Michael. The little boy from the first movie is dead. Ultimately, rule number six, double tap. You don't wait around to be dramatic. You cut his head off. Right. And that's where, like... It's a rule break, but for them thinking it's a mortal man, it's not a huge rule break because, like, Karen ran him through with that butcher knife. Like, should it have been through the head? Yeah. You know, we are proponents of decapitation, but when decapitation isn't, you know, logistically uh, efficient, you know, put the knife through the head. Put put the, the, the baseball bat into the head. Like, there are plenty of ways to decorate the inside of a skull, right, and turn it into scrambled eggs. It wouldn't have mattered because it's Michael and it's just like instant regeneration. But like, again, we are proponents of decapitation and dismemberment of any horrible, 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 horrible person on this podcast. Yes. They don't do it. They don't do it. And so finally, the movie ends. Karen goes back, comfort Alice and paramedics. They're taking care of her. And Karen just like wanders upstairs to look out Michael Myers's window. And then all of a sudden he's behind her. Rule number 33, never assume you're safe. Yep. But Michael gets the drop on Karen and stabs her to death. And that's how the movie ends. Karen's dead. Holy shit. Yep. <laughs> and I would argue Karen's the main protagonist of this movie. It's either Michael or Karen. Oh, Michael or Karen, yeah. Um, you know, it's an insult to Infinity War, but this movie was definitely meant to establish Michael as a villain and Haddonfield as a character. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the purpose of Halloween Kills. Yeah. Oh, and to uh, up the body count. <laughs> and up the body count. So we lose our main protagonist of the movie, because Laurie's not the main protagonist of this yeah. movie. She's there, but yeah. she doesn't do anything. But Karen is dead, and for Karen, ultimately, it was just she assumed it was over, and she assumed it, she was safe. Yes. It was. She assumed Michael was a mortal man, and we get a whole monologue from Laurie Strode in the hospital with uh, Deputy Hawkins saying, like, oh, he's not a mortal man. It's like they've figured it yeah, out. They've cracked the code, so we'll see how this ends, and Halloween ends coming out in October. Yes. I have no new rules because logic wasn't here. Yeah, the only thing I would even think about is like you know don't join a lynch mob. Yeah, and we, we've talked about that. That, that falls into, into other rules. Yeah, uh, don't go in the water. Don't go in the water. Don't be a menace. There's a time and a place for an angry mob. There's, this is not it. There's a time and a place for frontier justice. There's a time and a, and a place for you know vigilantism. There's a time and a place for directed group anger. This, this, this isn't it. Yep. We weren't quite there yet. No. So let's get into the awards. This is what I was very much looking forward to. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So for the Randy Meeks Merit Badge, this goes to the character did the best job at following the rules, based off Randy from Scream. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Oh, boy. Yeah. No character in this movie, I think, was, like, super net positive. And, in fact, I only think there's one character who's even slightly net positive, and I think it's Karen. Yep. Honorable mention to the little shitty kids who ran away from the park. Just ran away, but again, they, like, didn't go home, 
and they were out way late on Halloween yep. in Haddonfield. Like, you know, there are little things, but like, yeah, honorable mention because they yeeted themselves out of the movie. But they were being menaces earlier in the yep. movie. They they could have been, one of them did get killed. One did die. So honorable mention the other two, but I think we have to give it to Karen by default. She yeah. had the single best move of the movie and it should have worked. <laughs> Well, and she was also the only one who didn't buy into the mob mentality. Yep. Uh, you could say, like, she didn't do a good job with communicating with Lori when Michael was still alive. But, I mean, at the time, she was like, okay, but, like, Mom, you are messed up. You yep. are more of an obstacle than a help right now. She um, intentionally didn't tell her because she didn't want Lori to do exactly what Lori was going to do. And exactly what she did do. Uh, and the other Fair. knock and the other knock against the kids is they knew that a man in a mask was stalking them on Halloween and they didn't run away. Yeah. So it's got to be Karen. It's got to be Karen. Uh, Judy Greer. It is fun that we get to give Judy Greer a Randy Meeks Merit Badge. I love it. So Karen is the winner of the Randy Meeks Merit Badge. And um, she is not so living anymore. No. Bummer, dude. Night of Living Pub goes to the character who did the worst job at following the rules and... We could basically give it to the entire town of Haddonfield. Yeah. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. And, and you know, you're probably going to have to pull rank as podcast host because I, I am so dead set on this. Like, I, I am so dead set on this being Big John. Sure. And, like, uh, dishonorable mention to Little John because they knew someone was in their house blood on their hand they locked themselves in with the killer split up and then both mm-hmm. immediately got killed and like you can say like oh little john heard big john die and he should have run he should have known when to cut ties and yep. he should have left we didn't talk about that earlier and you know but then you know does that offset like big john going up the stairs and you know getting you know grabbing a charcuterie knife and not a real real effective knife. weapon and you know they knew they were in the myers house which again you know just add it to the, the rap sheet so i i've got i've got big john what do you got man this is so tough um and uh, a reminder for you so that you know when you're thinking about this i actually take allison and cameron's move to go into the house after they sure uh, heard shooting i think that's a worse move sure. than lonnie initially going in because at that point they knew there was danger whether or not it was the sawyers defending their home against trespassers or whether or not it was michael myers killing lonnie all right well let's at least start here yes dishonorable mention at least we defy people big john Little John, Lonnie, Allison, Cameron. Those yeah, the, are the five. Yeah. I mean, shit, you could throw Vanessa and Marcus and yeah. Miriam and, 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 and Lindsay. Like, all of them are nominees. Anyone who joined the mob is bad. Little John, Little John and Big John didn't do it, but they did lock themselves into a horror movie. Yes. Which is bad. Oh, my gosh. This is probably the hardest call I think we've ever had on this podcast. We've never had so many legitimate contenders whose idiotic actions directly led to not just their own deaths, but the, the, the deaths of many other people. I'm going to maintain, I think Lonnie's move is still the worst move of the movie, but does that give him the worst? I, I'm not so sure anymore, but I, I do want to plant my flag and I will say, in my opinion, Lonnie has the worst move of the movie, but I don't know if that necessarily, because the thing with Lonnie is he got killed off screen, which it, I always have a little bit harder time giving, when we don't see what happened, we don't have enough information. Very mechanic from Halloween 1, like dude just died off screen, we don't know. I don't want to give it to Allison and Cameron ultimately because they at least went in together. They did split up in there, but like that's mm-hmm. something. So let's talk about Little John and Big John. Little John didn't lock the door, which let Michael in. He, he did not lock the back door. It was initially locked. It was initially locked, but then he didn't relock it. And yes. One second. It's all it took. He did grab the bigger knife than Big John. Yes. We didn't see Little John die. That was off screen, so we can't really talk about that. But Big- we but we did see him stand in the doorway and just kind of let Michael advance on him. Now, yep. he had kind of resigned himself like, hey, love of my life is dead. I'd just kill me now. Did he do anything? We'll never know. We'll never know. 
So I, since you feel so strongly about it, and I am just all over the place on this one, <laughs> I'm gonna let you make the final call. But I, I do want to plant my plug and say Lonnie made the worst movie of the movie. But you can give I, it to who you want. I, I am going to give it to to Big John because he knowingly, known capacity, locked himself into a bloody home invader situation. And was not he? He was high, and he still wanted to like. <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, and, and, and he still wanted to like pick this fight. He was high before he knew he was normal. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not that he was. Do, it's not that he was doing the devil's yeah. lettuce. It's yeah. the fact that it's all just a confluence of factors, right? You know, Lonnie deserves a dishonorable mention. He maybe deserves the best dishonorable mention. Yep. Little John is uh, the second best dishonorable mention, and then Cameron and Allison are probably tied after. I that. would say Cameron is worse than Allison. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We we can split hairs so, all so we want. Let's do this. We'll say Big John's the worst. Yep. Who do you want to put second worst, Lonnie or Little John? I'm going to. Oh, Little John could have left the house just because Big John locks. Like you could talk him out of it. So you know what? I'm giving it to Little John. Big John 10. is the worst. Little John, Lonnie, Lonnie, Cameron, Allison. Yes, all five of them deserve Night of the Living Clubs, and in any other movie they would get. <laughs> so I just want to actively, as much as I like the characters, actively condemn all of their actions along with almost every other character in this movie. This this movie as a whole is the Night of the Living Club of movies. Yes, it is. Halloween Kills, least competent cast of all time. Lonnie, worst movie of the movie, but our ultimate Night of the Living Club, a, a, a legend amongst the dead, is Big John. Yeah, four of the five are now dead, and one of them is hobbled with Michael Myers still on the loose. And this is all going to take place in like one night. Yep. Uh, and by the way, uh, Cameron's death. One of the best in the franchise? Pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good. And the whole twisting the head backwards after ramming it like through the baluster, pretty intense. You know, for everyone who's complaining that Cameron didn't get the awful death he deserved in the first movie, here you go. Oh, you, you got it. You got it. You know, I would give it to all of them, but I don't like to do that kind of thing. Yeah, but, we, uh, we, we do not do ties here. Yeah, we, unless we, we can't distinguish a difference like the attendants from Halloween 4. Yep, or the, 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 the cops. Yeah, um, in Halloween remake. Yep, ho- yep. So, and that's where it's like they are the same character. They died at the same time. They made the same exact exactly. mistakes. But this was all different kinds of bad. How, how did we get five characters who all made completely idiots? <laughs> it's entertaining. People. It's very entertaining. Th- this movie. is this, this is a fun one. Yep. I know we sound exasperated, but this was a very fun movie to watch. But uh, Big John is night of living pleb, and he is not so living anymore. So that is Halloween Kills. So. That Halloween series gets knocked back off the board. It'll go back on once Halloween ends comes out. Once once that comes out on like Blu-ray or whatever. Or yep. I have a way to watch it besides in theaters. That'll get put on the wheel. In the meantime, Scream 2022 is going in its spot. Wheel is temporarily in quarantine just because COVID stuff is happening. So I'm just going to do whatever is available. Who doesn't have COVID? Who is free to actually do a podcast right now? So I think, I'm thinking next week will be the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 with uh, Jordan Ryan and I think Jacob Colness is going to join us as well. That's the plan right now. But just, just bear with us as, you know, hopefully close to like Memorial Day, we'll be able to get the wheel back. Hopefully. But I'm just taking a little temporary break just because people have COVID. Yeah. So I hope everybody uh, gets well soon. Yeah. I'm happy five cream is back on the wheel. Boo. <laughs> um, and I'm hoping Jake Johnson will uh, join us for Scream 5, just because I've had a different person for each of the movies, and then Jacob's doing the, the TV show. Poor Jacob. Poor, he got screwed. He almost deserves five cream just because of that. Uh, uh, nah, he'll, he'll, get a, he'll get some sort of reward. Maybe I'll give him a, a res- reservation for each season he finishes or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. So hopefully Texas Chainsaw Massacre... Nine is next. <laughs> uh, all right, Derek, you want to plug anything? Uh, as always on my letterboxd, my username is E-R-E-K-K. I do believe I gained 
one follower from you guys in the last couple weeks. So thank you. You can follow us on Twitter at HowToHorror. That's how the number two horror. Derek, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. This was fun. This is fun. It's been good. Uh, it's been a long time since you've had a solo horror podcast. It has been. It's been a while. I think before Emery was born. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's been quite the paternity leave. It's yeah. just been group projects since then. <laughs> All right. Uh, don't forget to give us a five-star review, uh, especially after getting through this madness. Yes. All right. This has been the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast. Stay safe out there. Uh, uh.